Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, welcome to a huge treat as we continue the launch of The Bizzlecast uh, Star Wars sub-series. I uh, just spoke to my buddy Amon from New York City, amazing musician and huge Star Wars fan, and we talked about all sorts of stuff from the original trilogy to the new stuff, but now I have a returning guest who this is by far the longest gap between the guest's first appearance uh, or even most recent appearance and the current appearance, which is Adam Tuck, who came on to do a huge Lord of the Rings retrospective and the Matrix retrospective in the early days of the Bizzlecast. Been meaning to have him back on. Welcome back. Say hello to the Bizzlecast audience. Why, hello, Bizzlecast peeps. I fucking forgot about the... um the matrix one i completely forgot about that we did that that was fun yeah you took us you took us on like you had like an off-the-cuff narrative going scene by scene of the original movie and talking about (laughs) the classic and hilarious and bizarre and corny elements of of each of the scenes from the first movie it was great yeah that was a good one and then like two-thirds that was a really good one. And then two-thirds of the way through, I did my mandatory trying to convince you that Matrix Reloaded was a good movie, and we argued yeah. for a while, and then we ended the podcast. It was and great. I'm sure, and I'm sure we did the thing where I said, if it ended in the way that I thought it did, it was great, but since it didn't, I hate it. Is that That's pretty much my standard yeah. line, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think this is actually a good bridge. So, Because with Amon, I did um, a whole retrospective, because he's about four or five years older than you and I. So he saw ancient man. I think he said he saw empire in the theater when he was like a little kid. Oh man. Um, That is so fucking cool. Yeah. And like, and he didn't know the Vader reveal. Oh my Um, God. By the way, Bizzlecast listener, Adam is, is highly allergic to what he calls spoilers, what I call even tiny pieces of information. So basically anything post rogue one, uh, we're not going to talk about in any specific detail. So we're going to have to do a little retrospection here, but I still think you can make some predictions going forward without knowing any spoilers. that I'm not going to give to you because you've yelled at me. Agreed. And, and here's the interesting thing is that you will be hearing the opinion and vibe from someone who is entirely spoiler-free. Uh, Jesse, I don't know if you're going to keep in the first thing that you did on this call, which was give me a spoiler, but <laughs> that that was totally new. It's not a spoiler. Hey, you know, everything's a spoiler, it's man. Not a spoiler. Everything's a spoiler. Lu- if, when it comes if you, to Star Wars. If you Google Luke Skywalker, Last Jedi, there's exactly. like a, me- a perfect, meme. Perfect point. Everywhere. Perfect example that like, yes, I would never Google those well, two things because I'm trying to do the full media blackout. That's the way to go. So you know nothing. You have no expectations, good or bad, coming in, and you just get to see the thing like with zero understanding. It's perfect. Can I, can I triangulate this into a proposal? Yes, propose to me. Put a ring on my finger. Um, that we end talking about spoiler culture and about how it's actually possible against all odds, other than assholes like me. But for the most part, it's possible against all odds to avoid spoilers. And by the way... Oh, I totally agree. By the way, Adam Tuck, Ryan Johnson, the director, has made a statement saying, 
I would recommend, if you're a hardcore fan, to not watch any of our trailers or TV spots or anything going forward. Oh right? I mean, when was the last time you heard a studio person say something like that? So I think they get it at Star Wars, and they're very tight-lipped with what they reveal. And the only reason I said what I said before was because they've revealed so little information that to me it's not even spoiler. So that would be an interesting talk about what's a spoiler. And by the way... What was the very first major spoiler in film history? Oh, it's got to be... Luke, I am your father. Yeah, it's got to be that one. Yeah, yeah. No one knew. Mark Hamill, Lawrence Kasdan. There was five people who knew. It was Lawrence Kasdan, George Lucas, uh, uh, Mark Hamill, and the guy who played Vader didn't know. And there was like one or two producers who knew. you You know the original quote? No. Obi-Wan is your father. That's what they told him he was reacting to? No, no. Luke knew, but the guy who played Vader and everyone else there thought that Vader was saying, Obi-Wan is your father. And so they fake planted a fake spoiler way back in 1979, if you can believe it. And so, you know, I think one of the topics for today will be George Lucas's legacy, which I think has oh man, I, actually gone up since the recent movies in my opinion. I yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Sure. I would agree that that all of his work has gotten better since it has been wrested from his hands. I would agree with you there. Right. And and, and by the way, he hasn't protested at all once he sold it. He said, here it is. Do what you want with it. Yeah, he kind of like made a couple of snide remarks, but even his snide remarks... Just about The Force Awakens, but he yeah. was very complimentary about Rogue One. Um, so um, oh, so I, I'll leave this to you, man. I'd rather jump around topics since I did more chronology. All right, well, I want to hit one thing. I want to hit one thing. First thing about spoilers is... Oh, I was just going to say, the first spoiler is, of course, the fact that the person who's led to be the leading actress in Psycho dies in the first, you know, 10 minutes, and they actually made it so that you had to start going in at specific showtimes in order to see the movie, which had never happened before. Before, you would kind of just, like, come into the movie at any point, and you'd, like, just sort of loop around and just, like, see it and sit there for as long as you wanted. But that was, like, the first time that they actually had, like, movie start times and end times, from what I understand. So I was kind of going to say that if you think maybe the first spoiler is actually uh, the Psycho one, that Hitchcock sort of made the existence of a spoiler even possible. Yeah, but from a sheer mass cultural big money standpoint, Vader was clearly the first one. No way, man. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, I just thought that was a fun, cool little story. I, I love that they, they changed the way movies were done to sort of hide that from you. Well, I want to follow your train of thought here, man. I, I, I've done 160 podcasts where I'm always leading the way on everything. I like talking with you because you've got ideas about things. <laughs> I do always have opinions. We were talking about the force before we started recording here. We talked about the dark side. You and I are both in a little bit of a dark mood. We're talking about the dark side, talking about the force. So why don't we just talk about some general topics so we don't spoil anything. We don't have to get in an argument about Force Awakens versus Rogue One. We don't have to get in an argument about the prequels. We don't have to get in an argument about any of these things, We're, at least not right away. Oh, my gosh. We're, uh, yeah, I don't think we'd get into much of an argument about the prequels, honestly. No, my only argument about the prequels is that it, di- it, it from a um, everything outside the actual movies 
did some great world building of the galaxy of which we had seen none in the original trilogy basically and okay. led to the clone wars which was pretty good and star wars rebels which was pretty good and some of the new canon literature which is pretty good you know things came out of that envisioning and my whole i my whole thing is George should have still been the creative mind behind the prequels, but he should not have written and directed them. That was the problem. Yeah. You know, he yeah. should have just been coming up with the creatures and the worlds and the spaceship designs and stuff. Cause let's be honest, everything we've seen from the first two new star Wars movies, we haven't seen anything from the new, really from the new last Jedi is the same spaceships, you know, and it's even more egregious in force awakens because at least in rogue one, it takes place the same time as a new hope basically. So of course they're going to have Y wings and X wings, but the fact that it was just X wings versus tie fighters in the force awakens was, was weak. And this is not a spoiler, but I've heard that the ship designs for the new movie that people have heard about, it's still pretty reminiscent of the old stuff maybe that's wrong maybe not i don't know i haven't seen it see now this actually might get us to our interesting first point because i feel so much of what needed to happen in force awakens was it needed to be a return to form and it needed to show that like hey we're still operating in that world and i think the art direction is one of the most important ways in which they were able to do that so in terms of making the stormtroopers slightly modernized but still very much feel like it could have happened in 20 years uh, and the ship design some of them were a little bit sleeker and a little bit nicer but they were very much like they're t70 x-wings yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it was from that world still, and they didn't make it look like yeah. all of a sudden it's computer polished and crappy. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate it more for the following reasons than I did at the time. A, I, I really like the X-Wing miniatures games uh, game, and I have, like, friends that, 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 I, uh, that I play with in my games club. Um, and they have ships from, they actually don't do a lot of the prequel ships because no one really cares, but they have sort of the Clone Wars, uh, ships, they have the original trilogy ships, and then they have the new trilogy ships, but like all the various rebel factions you can play together, blah, 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 blah. And there is difference between the original X-Wing, which is a T-65 and the T-70 and the new TIE fighters are more advanced and there's a rear turret and it's white instead of black. I mean, there are aesthetic differences and, but the bigger thing is the whole idea of Star Wars is that, you know, there's never enough raw materials to go around. So it makes sense yeah. that they would keep recycling both designs and materials, right? So I'm I, I'm okay with it, especially because I care about Poe Dameron way more than the ship that he's flying, right? Like, I'm just pumped that one of the lead characters is finally a pilot. We've never had a lead character pilot before. I mean, Wedge was great when you're growing up, but you watch it now, you're like, Wedge has like seven lines in the entire original trilogy. And Oscar Isaac is... You don't consider Han Solo a pilot? No, because he comes in to save the day at the end of New Hope, he gets them out of the asteroid field, uh, which is very important, obviously, in Empire. He doesn't fly the Millennium Falcon for a second in Return of the Jedi. No, I guess that's I'm talking cool. about I'm talking about the Rebel pilots, the Alliance uh, Resistance pilots. Okay. Can I ask you a question about this, though, that's not spoilery? That has to do with just the new Disney Star Wars-verse? Okay. The reason I like Poe, A, he has the first funny lines in Force Awakens is a really dark he has what? a very dark beginning in Force Awakens and his humor at the beginning with Kylo Ren I thought was perfect 
they had to set the tone early that there yeah, was going to be job. humor. Okay. His relationship with Finn, fantastic. Really? I kind of feel like that was pretty staged. Nope. Loved it. I thought they had great chemistry. I think they have a bromance with each other, actually. Um, not, I don't know if they're actually gay, but they, Oscar Isaac said that he played it gay um, in the movie. Um, or at least really? partially gay. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Isaac is in... Uh, he said he played him as a gay character interested in Finn? He, pl- he said he played it as if he really liked Finn as a possible buddy, but maybe a little bisexual. Yeah, you can look it up. Okay. I would I would call that a subtle portrayal of that ideal. <laughs> An exceedingly subtle portrayal. But because Oscar Isaac is an Academy-nominated uh, actor, and because I knew and they said from the beginning that he was going to have a bigger role than in The Force Awakens, um, and just because of his charisma and personality, and I love him in everything I've ever seen him in, which admittedly is only a handful of movies, but I loved all of them. I, 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 you know, like, and this is the thing when you were comparing episode, I guess we're going to get to this eventually comparing episode seven to rogue one is that you don't have to give everything away with episode seven. Cause we know we're getting at least two more movies with episode eight, and episode nine with these mm-hmm. characters. And so you could make Ray easily the lead character with Han Solo and Finn just below her, and then Carrie Fisher, Oscar Isaac, and, and so forth below that. Because um, it was most important that they set up Ray. Oh, can we talk about this? Mm. And, oh, wait, no, you had a question you wanted to bring up before. I've forgotten now. We'll get back to it. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to it. I think it's, uh, it's pretty great, the widespread, not only acceptance, but love of Ray as a character. And... I don't know if you share it, but I'm sure you at least appreciate the fact that, like, if you look at footage of, like, Comic-Cons the last year or two, you just see little girls everywhere in the Ray costume. Like, when we grew up, did you know any girls that like Star Wars? Like, I didn't know any girls. That, I, I, knew, no. I didn't even know that many guys that like Star Wars. No, there, there was no female representation that wasn't a chick in a fucking gold bikini. Like, what was uh, there... I don't agree what with What was there to... Uh, well, I mean, in the first one, you had Princess Leia, but Princess is, like, part of the title. You know what I mean? Like, she actually did do a lot of cool shit, but she still kind of, like, ended up being a damsel in distress. And so I, I think she was a really cool figure. She saved herself. They said it in the movie, in the original. She says, I can save myself. And she's shooting the laser. And they're like, oh, my God. Okay, this girl can save herself. <laughs> you know what? I, let's put it this way. Fucking great for the 70s. But as, as you just said, there's a lot less people aspirationally and potentially because of that scene in Jedi. Maybe that's why. There's a lot less people that were really into, like, being her and having her be just, like, the strong character. And I, I love those fucking movies, and I think they did a really excellent I, I job. I think you're underestimating it, and I, and I can... But what's the difference between Ray and Leia in terms of representation? Well, here, like, well, obviously, no, no, here, here's the thing. full protagonist, you know, yeah. like... There's a generational... There's a generational gap. Because I listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts, and, like, Star Wars podcasts have more women on them than most nerd... Most nerd podcasts is all guys. But Star Wars podcasts have guys and girls on, women on who are our age or even slightly older and they worship Carrie Fisher growing up. So there, there is a generational gap. 
I don't think the gold. I think the gold bikini thing is way overblown, especially since it was part of the plan. And the most brutal death in the entire original trilogy is her strangling Jabba as if it, you know, she's the boss, like she was expecting to do it the whole time. I think yeah. the reason it's controversial is not because of the look, but because now we know that she had body issues and drug issues and stuff. But from I a, also think it's the overt sexualization of one of your characters who didn't kind of need that treatment to still be an interesting fine. character. Fine, but if you honestly. combine the runtime of the original three movies at six to seven hours, that's like 20 minutes. And the rest of the time she was dressed very staid and, uh, you know, either military looking or, you know, princess looking. And by the way... But dude, you don't you don't get you don't get the golden you don't get like the trophy from only fucking up for a little bit. Like you have to like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one fuck up that's that sizable is is pretty big thing. And I I think that actually does contribute to some of the like like mm, feelings and the fact that like it kind of didn't always set terribly well. I mean, also the all the main protagonists, like she is she's definitely prominent, but the main protagonist is uh, is either like Luke or Han. Um for for most of the thing like you are kind of following their perspectives more i think um, that's a combination of your perspective and what society has taught us if you really who look do you at think it, is who do you think hold is on. the pers- is the protagonist though just, that's just, just that's just, what i'm saying just give, give me one sec forget that she's a princess the only reason she's a princess is because her father senator organa married a queen the queen of alderaan so that makes her a princess right whatever <laughs> that is how princesses get made yes yeah, exactly but that's not what that's not why people follow her she's a political leader she's a military leader she's a spiritual leader she's one of the best fighters they have she's smarter than the guys she's tougher than the guys she's more focused than the guys she knows how to get the job done in and that's why i thought general leia in episode seven works so well because it's exactly what she would be doing she would still be fighting the good fight after all these years while luke is you know having a pity party on some island and han solo is acting like a three-year-old yeah agreed i i don't think that changes anything about the earlier problem and um uh, well, what I would just problem. say is that, like, as you're saying, like, I'm, I'm just going off of what you just said. There is now a big explosion of, of women that are into Star Wars because they are finally seeing the main protagonist that having some representation of them. Um, and I don't think there's any coincidence there. I think, like, when you see somebody who is not only, like, smart and capable and everything else, but who's also the focus and the thing that you care about and the person whose journey you're really going on, that is very different than having a really strong supporting character. I just, um, I don't think Lucas has obviously miscalculated on many things, including in the original trilogy. Um, I don't think he realized what a sex symbol Carrie Fisher would become. Like, he actually cast her for her acting ability as well as being attractive. Like he didn't cast her because she looked like a model. And then everyone's like, holy shit, this woman's gorgeous. Yeah. But I mean, it's still but at least she call. had agency unlike Padme in the, you know, the prequels who did nothing, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, that okay, was a so garbage let's do a comparison. Let's do a comparison between Leia, Padme and Ray. Okay. So what does Ray have going for her? A, she's a regular girl, right? She's a street rat. Basically, she's stuck on a planet. She's probably been having to defend herself from creeps forever, right? Yeah, if only and, they showed any of it, that would be interesting. Well, she beat some guys up, and, you know, John Boyega decided he didn't have to save her and then ran away from her because he, she was going to beat him up, which is great. 
Her costume is not sexy, but the little oh, sorry, bit of Ray, right, right. Sorry, Ray, I, was thinking, Ray. I was thinking Jin. Sorry, yes. No, they actually they they hint at it with in one of the best sequences of all of Star Wars. They show yeah. what her life is like, and it's so fucking beautiful. Yeah, Ray's Ray's opening, I think, is maybe one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. It's amazing. She slides down the hill and everything. Yeah. She puts the rebel helmet on. It's great. The little scratch. Have you watched the little uh, 2D uh, Forces of Destiny mini cartoons that they put online? No. Where they uh, they got they do these little two two and a half minute shorts uh, uh, about the various women going from Leia to Padme to Ahsoka Tano to Jin to Rey. I don't think I know what Ahsoka and Tano are. Uh, uh, Ahsoka Tano is uh, Anakin's. Um, so Anakin in the Clone Wars cartoon is actually oh, okay. really yeah, I have, compelling. I haven't touched any of that stuff. Yeah. So me neither. I only did it because I watch Rebels and I'm like, okay, there's some references to Clone Wars and I like Ahsoka, so I should go back and watch it. So in the Clone Wars, they made Anakin what he should have been. He's an honorable guy trying to do the right thing, who's a little mischievous, who just gets tricked at the wrong times by the dark side. That's the Darth Vader that we wanted. Instead of hating Christensen, who was just whiny and creepy and annoying, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's much more interesting for a nobleman to fall, right, than it is for a creepy asshole to fall. And the Anakin in Clone Wars was like a course correction. And the way they did that was Obi-Wan forced him to take on a Padawan, who is a 14-year-old alien who looks a little bit like a Twi'lek, not quite. You've seen her with the, she's got like the big white, almost like dreadlock things and like paint on her face. Um, and, uh, uh, forced him to take on a Padawan during the Clone Wars. And she just has like a heart of gold, but she also shares his mischievousness. And anyways, she's been a tying force, um, in the canon in Clone Wars and Rebels and the books. And there's speculation she's going to be in the movies and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But anyways, she's, she was sort of the first modern, awesome Star Wars female superhero that like little girls watch before we got Rey and Jin and so forth. Um, so, um, anyways, they did these really cute 2D cartoons, which explain these, like, you know, like, what happened, uh, in, when Ray and BB-8 went through the desert. Do you remember that little, uh, hammerhead creature with the two red eyes that pops up when they when her and BB-8 are going through the desert? Hmm. Red-eyed creature that kind of looks very unassuming. Turns out that that's like one one hundredth of his body. <laughs> He's like a giant monster. And so they have these little two and a half minute things where, you know, the little adventures. But they got but they got all the voice actresses. They got Felicity Jones, they got Daisy Ridley. Obviously they couldn't get Carrie Fisher, but they got the woman who does Leia in the cartoons and they got the woman who does the Sokotano and whatever. Uh and they're very cute. They're meant for little girls, but they're I, I, it feels like the animatrix a little bit. I mean, not nearly as heady, you know, but it, it feels a little bit just like these little vignettes in the world with 2D animation, which I love. I, I miss, I miss the 2D animation, man, as I, I know you do. Um, but um, uh, which actually, I want to get to that later when it comes to the extended canon. But anyways, point being about Ray is that she's just the amount of cute and pretty, but not over the top, you know, where it, it is totally relatable um, and non-threatening. Is that, is that too bold of a statement? 
I'm not I'm not so sure that her appearance has much to do with how she why she works so well. Well, I she think, couldn't be ugly and she couldn't be drop dead gorgeous. I let's think be I think yeah, you can overmodel it. Actually, I think I think her being unattractive might be a might have been a really interesting choice, but it's still fucking Hollywood. Well, they did Maz Kanada, which I thought was cool because Lupita Nyong'o's gorgeous and they had her play a weird-looking alien who still managed to be appealing even while being weird-looking. Appealing, well, like charismatic? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you are kind of into it, then I think we have another conversation to have. But uh, I think I that, like that Wookiee. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wookiee. Well, I guess there's a pretty good community for Wookiee stuff, actually. You know, that's pretty human-sized, so you're, you'll be okay. Um, no, I think, I think the strength of Rey uh, really has a lot to do with the fact that they chose to focus on her. They chose to um, make her competent without doing, like, an annoying Mary sue thing that can sometimes be an overcorrection and on top of that like they wrote her well um the only thing that i think is poor about her character is that like she doesn't totally truly believe that anyone's coming for her um she sort of knows it's not happening but it's still like the thing that's driving her but i, I think like yeah, that the is Jekku the most obsession and the running into the woods that was some weak writing from yeah that was maybe the 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 part that didn't hold together quite as well but that is very very small nitpicks in what is otherwise a strong interesting self-possessed active protagonist um and that's actually one of the reasons why i think uh, Rogue One doesn't work as well for me, and we don't have to go into it a lot. But you know, a lot of things happen to Jin uh, versus you know her sort of being um, the the main actor. And I think what's so what I really love about uh, Episode Seven is that is that Ray really gets a chance to control her destiny, and she moves the plot forward. And even though obviously the meeting with Boyega. Uh, sort of helps kick things off. It's still sort of her and his choices that lead to what happens next, instead of just a bunch of people, you know, kidnapping you at every at every turn, and then that being the thing that allows scenes to change. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a lot of it, man. Is frankly the script. Like the script is good for her. Um, I like her lines, and then just as an actor, she delivers them with such like poise and confidence, and um, she's just fucking awesome. Okay, here's an interesting side note. Have you ever listened to the, um, if you listen to the podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno? Um, she, Daisy Ridley, was on an episode of My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is basically this amazing thing where a guy. She's such a proper English girl. No, dude, her real voice is way less posh. And it's really funny because she comes on it and you don't yeah, realize her voice, it's her. Her personality. She seems very like Kieran Knightley, like uptight, like English proper. Oh, I, I don't know about that. But this is this incredible podcast where this guy is reading his 60-year-old father's erotica. He just started writing it at 60 years old and he has no idea why. So this Irish, this Irish man is making this like like totally nonsensical, hilarious attempt at writing pornography. And it's gotten huge. So like Elijah Wood's been on the podcast to like also give some commentary. And so is Daisy Ridley. And she is so fucking funny. Um, but also like her voice is so much more just like a normal English person and not this like performance, like London, uh, um, you know, Academy of the Arts style accent. It's really funny to hear her for real my voice. family. My family. Yeah, it's way it's way more just like what a normal English person sounds like, and it's fucking jarring at first to hear. Um, anyway, I bypassed I, the compressor. You have got to you have got to listen to that podcast. By the way, it is one of the funniest yeah. things I've ever heard. Well, I, I want to add, however, that as someone who does a lot of podcasts, 
about uh, television and movies. <laughs> yes. When these days a lot of English and Australian actors are playing Americans, I can recognize bad accents. So bad accent, uh, for example, Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange is horrible. He yeah, I heard, I heard really bad things. like a New Yorker. Great accent is John Boyega doing anything, whether it's Star Wars or Detroit. Yes, His that's American true. His American accent is so good. That's really you're, and you're Carrie right. Fisher, praised, very natural. Uh, so, so I was watching. Um, oh, who's the, who's that famous uh, gay um, British a talk show host? Uh, that's so famous that everyone's on. What's his name? Um, Ian McKellen. No, 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 no. Talk show, a talk show. Host. I don't know. No, I was, um, I was a joke. Anyways, so, so he, but, 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 you know, in England, it's great. You know, they, they have four or five guests on at a time, sometimes from different properties, sometimes from the same movie and they drink and they all talk and it's like much more casual than here where it's like a one-on-one interview, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so they had Daisy Ridley, John Boyega and Carrie Fisher Carrie Fisher was like definitely hitting on John Boyega openly um, because she's Carrie Fisher and God bless her. Um, And, uh, and uh, he says to, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I have to look up who this guy is. He says to Daisy Ridley, he says, uh, he says, Daisy, I I heard that uh, Carrie gave you some advice um, before coming to set to start shooting. And she's like, no, I, I really don't want to talk about it. And he's like, no, no, come on, share it with us. And she's like, <laughs> it, it, she, she turns to Carrie and she goes, why don't you say it? And Carrie says, I just told her not to go through the crew like wildfire. <laughs> that was her advice to Daisy Ridley. Don't sleep with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> It's one of those things that I'm not sure Daisy would have had the same uh, the same uh, 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 misstep if she uh, had not been told. But I do appreciate that yeah. Carrie was like, "Hey, uh, pro tip." Yeah. Well, Carrie <laughs> also has awkward. a great quote. Someone asked if she ever slept with George Lucas, and she said something along the lines of. If you're not willing to sleep with your director, then you don't belong in the business or something like that. Oh, gross. That's fucking awful. <laughs> But she doesn't. Uh, but but it's but it's it's playful. That's the thing with her. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's trying to break. Uh, she didn't really sleep with everyone. She was mostly in love with Harrison Ford. That was what she talked about in her last book. Was being a young girl in love with an older guy who was just kind of fucking with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, How could you but, not be you know, fucking in love with Harrison Ford though? Well, I can't not be in love with Carrie Fisher because I grew up with her as my like ideal strong woman figure and on and this is the connection with Ray is that for me because of like you know there's Sarah Connor and there's Ripley and whatever but like mostly because of Princess Leia I grew up never thinking that a woman couldn't be a strong badass you know like that was always a possibility for me because of Princess Leia. And I think that Ray is, and Jin to a lesser extent, is doing that to a new generation. And uh, I think that's, that's great. You know, I think Wonder Woman is doing that as well. You know? um, and uh, actually, Wonder Woman goes against what I said earlier, <laughs> where I said, you know, Ray's like pretty, but not too pretty. Gal Gadot is gorgeous, but that, but that hasn't stopped the movie from being like a feminist rallying cry. You're focusing a lot on these people's appearance, though. I, I think it's not no, really about no, that. No, 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 no. 
that's not true. I'm folk. I'm I, what I'm trying to focus. On, I'm sorry if that's how it's coming off. What I'm trying to focus on is girls' body image, possible issues, and how that comes across on screen. For example. Yeah, yeah. I guess I can see what you're saying. Um, but I'm saying the fact that that hasn't been an issue with Wonder Woman is, it, you know, is, and that was my comparison with the slave Leia. Like, if you look at cosplayers from Comic Con, you see women of all ages and body types wearing variations of the slave Leia stuff, you know. And like, who are we to tell them that yeah, they shouldn't do that? No, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't. Da- I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that. But what I do think is that like it's um, that is also Graham like Martin. it's not. It, those are not equivalent things. Like that is. Like the slave Leia thing is so like culturally present that it, it kind of enters a different thing. Like it's it's right, but but there were men when Wonder Woman came out. There were old white men in the New York Review of Books and so forth who talked about the fact that she's so beautiful is going to cause all sorts of body issues and is anti-progressive and anti-feminist. Men said this, and women were like, "Fuck you!" Like. We want our some of our heroes to be beautiful, you know. Like, like, why do you guys get to tell us what our female superheroes should look like? You know what I mean. And and I think there's something to be said for that. You know, like, who are we to tell them? So if women of all ages and backgrounds embrace the slave Leia thing, me and you might not approve of it, but we also can't tell them that they're objectively wrong in embracing it. That's my point. I, yeah, no, in the case that wasn't clear, I didn't say anyone was wrong to, uh, uh, to jump into it. No, I, I agree with you 100%. My, the thing I'm saying, though, is that despite the fact that culturally Slave Leia is such an enormous thing, I think you find that the full representation that people are getting in, uh, in Ray's character is what's getting the most like young people actually into the franchise, and it's the most easily identifiable um, and I think probably more identifiable in a lot of cases than um, than Leia, just because of the fucking focus that's put on her. You know, like Leia's a supporting character. Ray is the purpose of the movie and maybe the trilogy. Yep. But I also think Ray's look just as much as her parallel to Luke, which we'll see at some, some, I don't know what's going to happen. My friend Amon, who knows as few spoilers as you, he's hoping that the first thing that Luke does is like throw her over the side of the cliff at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it's a test slash being just an old angry guy. Uh, but, but, uh, but I think what Ray, what Daisy Ridley shares with Mark Hamill with 20, to 23-year-old Mark Hamill of 1977 is they could be 17, they could be 25, you know, they could be mm, any mm-hmm. number of ages. So I have I have an awesome Ray poster with her and BB-8 in an X-Wing that I bought like probably six to eight months before the movie just because I had such a good feeling about Ray in the film, but it's a younger version of her. Like it's, it's, it's uh, anachronistic. Like she wouldn't be with BB-8 because she's like 14 or 15 in the poster. And she's wearing a more like covered up version of her costume, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, she's younger or whatever, but but it looks like her, you know. Like you can imagine her as a fourteen year old girl. Like I think I think like a four year old girl could look at Ray and be like, oh, she's not that much older than me, you know. I and just the way we looked at Luke when we were kids and probably were like, oh, he's not that, you know, even though he was. He, he didn't feel that much older. And that's why the whininess actually sells uh, 
and they had to force a little Ray whininess in episode seven on purpose to get that that going, I think, actually. Okay, man. So here here's what I'm thinking. So I want to ask you, I know you love episode seven. You didn't love Rogue One. I, I very much liked it, is what I would say. I did not, I did not hate Rogue One at all. I, you know. So what I wanted to say was, so when Lucas... Okay, so Return of the Jedi came out in 83, right? So there was the three movies. There was a bunch of stupid, like, Wookiee and Ewok TV specials that are terrible, you know? And Sorry, then, are, you, are you talking about the Christmas special? Yeah. Um, I, I've not seen new, it. Have you ones. seen it? No. Oh, um, I hear it's amazingly, like, so painfully bad. I hear it's, like, yeah. incredible. Well, not, I love the Ewoks, but we're not going to go there. Um, but uh, it's not that I love the Ewoks. I just love Return of the Jedi, and no, I'm no, fine no, with the Ewoks. It's the Wookiee thing. It was the Wookiee one. It wasn't the Ewoks thing. There was a Wookiee oh, right, Christmas right, right. special that was between, I think it was between Star Wars and Empire. So, from 1983 to 1987... Star Wars continued to boom. They sold tons of toys. But then there was the Boba Fett incident where they had the one of the first uh, action figures that did something in the Boba Fett rocket launcher and like some kid like poked out his eye on it or something. And they had to like discontinue the whole line. Really? <laughs> I'm serious. This is why Boba Fett's so famous. Boba Fett didn't really become famous until the, the Christmas specials or whatever. But then especially the n- notoriety of his action figure, like taking out a kid's eye or something like that. And th- because it became impossible to find those toys. And you know how people are with Star Wars toys. So everyone wanted it. And then it was off the shelves or whatever. Um, so that's like a, you know, like a rare item, but around 1987, people stopped buying the movies, people stopped buying the toys and until the LucasArts video games, which were great, started coming out in the nineties, there wasn't really much going on. Partially they had shifted to Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. Um, let's not forget by the way, as great as Empire and I think Return of the Jedi is, Lawrence Kasdan's best script might be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and people who think the Han Solo movie is going to suck, I just want to say I'm not thrilled about it, but don't count out Lawrence Kasdan because he's written and directed some of the best movies ever. Anyways. I like your, um, I like your, I like your optimism. I, I want to be optimistic. Well, I like Ron Howard too. I think Ron Howard should have directed that movie from the beginning, Hi- hiring a couple comedy guys. But I think what happened was they got the guys who did the Lego movie and they were going to make a comedy starring Han Solo and Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm people were like, fuck you. We're doing a Han Solo movie with some humor, yeah. like have some respect. And, uh, oh, this was the point I wanted to make, man. I wanted to throw it to you about, uh, uh, about Rogue One and then move on to the future. But my point I wanted to make was, so Lucas up until the special editions and then the prequels mm-hmm. and uh, mostly bad, mm-hmm. like 90% bad, 10% okay. You know, like like Darth Maul, for example, has ended up being a cool character that's in, been in the cartoons and stuff. Like, this, you know, Obi-Wan was, was pretty good. It looks like we might get Ewan McGregor as an older Obi-Wan uh, movie, which I think could actually be cool. I have a cool idea for this about him going back to the ancient past, but I will save that for another podcast. Um, but, uh, uh, um, Lucas was like, I'm going to make movies and then I'm going to allow people to make video games and books and comics, but I'm not going to consider any of it canon, right? Lucas was like, this is all just 
non-canon stuff. I'm just licensing the Star Wars name out to make money, essentially. Right. But when Disney got it, starting in the beginning of 2014, there was a hard line which started with Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon, and the book that was the prequel to it called A New Dawn, where, where it was canonical. And they have a story group of about a dozen people, some who came from Lucasfilm, some from Disney, some other creative types, and they make sure that everything is as consistent as possible. So even though I loved Rogue One, I then went back and read the book about Jen's dad, and then I read another book about Jen and Saw Gerrera, and like, her growing up with Saw Gerrera, you know, and it added so much. And I'm the first person to say a movie should stand on its own. It should never require people to do outside reading. But I like the idea that things are canonical and there is a story group and, and that they are trying to expand the universe because there's only so much you can do. Rogue One was two hours and four minutes with credits. Do you know what the comic book movies these days are coming in at? Like two hours and 30 minutes plus. They, those are not a model for anything, though. Like, you say that as if that's something to, like, beat. But that's nothing to beat. That's garbage. Oh, they're like, making a billion dollars. I yeah. Mean, they're doing it's, something. It's not... Yeah, they're making money. They're not making art. And... Um, I'm just saying... Oh, and let me, let me... So let me throw this to you. A, how do you feel about this idea of canon, where there is a lot of supporting... Uh, material for reading some comic books mostly books uh you know and some cartoons and stuff like that like do you care at all do you think that adds to the experience uh would be my first question i i would say yeah it's great that it's there um i am a strong believer that if you have to touch any other media in order to enjoy it um then it's a failure but I think that uh, I think that filling in gaps and then elaborating on something for those who want to go deeper is fantastic. Um, and it's great that they actually have their shit together enough so that they can actually put things to make the universe richer. And you know, things that they write can be things that eventually they then throw into the character that helps enrich like the next version of those movies, etc. I mean, for Jin, obviously, there's not going to be another future Jin movie. Spoilers didn't work out so no, well but for her backstory stories are fascinating yeah you know so that's kind of nice but well and it's nice too because people were like oh you know Jin was supposed to be such a dark character and she ended up being basically a sweetheart uh, you know in the in the final film but like when you read about her well, story she, like you see what a dark past she came from yeah they didn't do a good job of showing that off really but but what I want to say is, and I want to hear your review of Rogue One really quick, it, but what I want to say is reading Catalyst and reading Rebel Rising and the, the prequel books to Rogue One, which I read, by the way, after I'd seen the movie a whole bunch of times, so it wasn't like I was preparing for the movie with it. I didn't know any of that stuff. I knew mm -hmm. a little bit about Saw Gerrera because of Star Wars Rebels, um, but that was basically it. It didn't increase, like, it didn't make me put the movie from an A minus to an A. It just is allowing me to continue to enjoy it without just watching the movie over and over again. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's value added, as they say. I think that's great. So, so I want to hear from you mm -hmm. as someone who's definitely a lightsaber Jedi for Skywalker guy, which I totally respect. Um, which is most people, and that's why The Force Awakens made $2 billion, and that's why Rogue One made $1 billion, for that exact reason. Um, what worked for you in Rogue One? 
um, in what didn't work. But when you talk about what didn't work in Rogue One, I'd be curious to hear what you thought didn't work because of execution versus what didn't work because of just the limitations of the uh, structure, if that makes sense. I think um, there was no limitations on it in terms of structure. I think that was great. I love that they tried to tell stories that didn't... Well, they had to lead up to... They had to lead up to right before New Hope. Oh. You know. If anything, that to me is a crutch. It's the opposite. Like, that, if anything, is helping their asses out immeasurably. Um, And I think they used it to exceedingly... um, exceedingly good use when they actually had vader show up and do a fucking rad last scene which frankly actually helps establish vader as a more of a badass for the other movies and they didn't do it in such a way where it was like yoda flipping around you know where there's just like what is this guys what have you done it was just like cool i get to see him like clearly in action being scary and it makes like episode four vader a frightening figure this and this this is the biggest problem is if you watch Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Star Wars: Rebels, yes, they're cartoons. You know, yes, it's Pixar basically, but it's very convincing that Anakin Skywalker and his Padawan Ahsoka Tano and Obi Wan can just jump thirty feet in the air, like at any point if they need to. And it's you know even when Lucas was doing the prequels, like he just couldn't make that happen a lot. And so I think of anything, the Vader being overpowered is stuff you see in the video games and the cartoons. Like if you've ever played, I mean the Star Wars, Star Wars has a record of having horrible video games, but the Force Unleashed, the first one, is fun for like ten minutes to just being Darth Vader and throwing people around with Force powers and stuff like that. It felt like that's the thing for me. Most people say, oh, the best part of Rogue One was the last five minutes for me it was value added i was already so in on that movie and then i was so excited about darth vader and then leia but i understand that people who don't love the movie say that was the best part Uh, i i liked the i just think the vader scene was done very well i don't think it's the best part but i i I thought it was um for example i thought it was a much better use of doing a direct tie-in than the leia piece which i felt um which felt heavy-handed in terms of its pacing a faster reveal, I think, would have done that CG shot a lot of good. Um, again, they should have just had it be her back, <clears throat> or yeah, or like you know, you see that you see her face turn, and you just get the profile, and she goes hope. You know that would have been good, but they really lingered on her face to be like, did you see her? Did you get that this was that person? And it's like I, I got it before you even showed went around for me, dude. To be fair. She had her dead eyes were way less bad than Tarkin's dead eyes, and I I remember watching Rogue One the first time. Yeah. I had heard some rumblings that there was p- even people that loved. So the advanced press from like the nerd press was they love Rogue One. Um, and I know a lot of nerds who put it like right below Empire or, or Jedi is their favorite movie. I'm not saying that's where it should be. I'm just saying I know a lot of nerds who put it there, but. Yeah. I, I knew that there was one really questionable CGI choice. And I remember seeing Tarkin and thinking of you immediately. I'm like, oh my God. And you're like, and you're like, oh, that was it. <laughs> if he hates Legolas on the o- Oliphant, he's really going to hate this. I um, did. I but did you know hate what? the shit out of it. You know what? My dad and mom had no clue. They had no idea. I know. Well, olds don't have the eye for it. Like they just don't fucking get it. Like either they're they're starting to, to go a little bit games. blind, 
Uh, yeah, or maybe they just that don't play enough video games so they don't know what rob- robots look like. Um, <laughs> what, what like, fucking motion cap robots look like. But, you know, to me, I'm like, what is this Mass Effect 2 shit going on over here? Um, I mean, they did, a gr- they did a good job. I just don't think it was the right choice. Like, I would have... I think just a recast actually would not have been terrible. Because it's not like it was his fucking voice. Um, so if you're going to mess that up as well, I think well, you can just you go can for it. Or you can just choose to not have him be part of it and just write a different story. So, so yeah, you know, whatever. And I, I didn't like it. But again, it's like one of these things that, although I don't love it, um, I'm, it doesn't really ruin the... Um, doesn't ruin the the movie for me by itself. I think it got better as it went along too. I, maybe in oh the CG. I initially attributed to getting used to it, but but on repeat viewings of Rogue One, I think the first Tarkin scene is just the most poorly animated. I don't know if that's just perception. Could be. Man, I would have just really kept to a lot of seeing him in a mirror if you were going to use him, or seeing him through like a view screen. But what are you going to do? Um, I think no. I think the problems that I have with um, with Rogue One are mostly about pacing, story structure, pacing and story structure, really, um, and editing. Um, I think they showed us the wrong parts of Jin's backstory. Like they showed us the inciting moment, but then they showed us no hint of anything between, and we don't see. Aside from her trying to escape from a jail cell, we don't actually see her character and what she's like. We sort of have it sort of read to her as a list of um, as a list of charges, but she doesn't even react to that. She doesn't have any kind of um, any kind of response where she's like proud of what she's doing or not. She's just looking dead eyed, and so to me, like she's such a non character uh, because nothing that she does, including that line of like I like to rebel. That's actually something that implies something about her character, that she likes resisting, she likes fighting back. But we didn't actually get that in the movie. Um, so people me, hated that in the trailer, so no one wins. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a badly written line, frankly. But it, something else in that vein would hint what her character is. And we didn't get a lot of that. Um, so I, I kind of feel like that was I don't think problem. people got the line that it was sarcastic. People I, thought that was like no, her turning to being a rebel. It. I think she was being like, yeah, okay, you're rebels, I rebel. No, I think people got what the intended thing was, but it's just it's just not a well-written line. Like, it's just not a good... Right. I just don't think it's a very good line. Well, okay. C- so it's the script, man. The script's to me. You know, but remember, for we, we all forget, like, how many millions of changes they went through. Like, they had a whole bunch of crazy shit behind the scenes, and what they pulled out is still great, but like... You go to this thing with like uh, Bugatti, you know the fucking fun <laughs> squid squid t- uh, testicle sack monster. Um, he comes. Oh up yeah, that was and, like, stupid. That was by far the thing. stupidest part. Everyone knows that he erases. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. He's a he's a great scary monster, and that's fucking cool. And he's gonna he's gonna find out whether or not it's real, and then he's gonna erase the guy's mind. Yeah. I don't think these Star Wars monsters well, are looking. Okay, but great. just stick with me for a second, right? So that's what he was gonna do. I'm sticking. That, like, He's going to figure out... I will always stick with you. Thank you, my love. Uh, so he's going to figure out the truth from this guy, figure out whether or not this pilot is lying. But the scary part is that the pilot's... I think Borgali is, is the Borgali? name. Borgonia? Um, Borgali, yeah. This fucking creature is going to come up, tentacle you, and then it's going to read your mind, but you're going to lose your mind in the process. But in the very fucking next scene we have... Sol Guerrero doesn't believe the information he's been given. He's like, oh, it's a trap. It's a trap. Like, what is this? Um, when he finally sees Jin. 
and the pilot immediately gets his mind back. So there was no consequences either like in the, I believe you now, or in terms of like the, whoops, the pilot's mind is wiped. Like that is look, no consequence. I agree. The first half of the movie is a slow burn. Well, no, no, no. The first half of the said. movie is a very well, slow burn. That's not what I said. I don't mind a slow burn. I think a slow burn is great and appropriate. What's that? What there is a lack of is consequences to the actions that happen. And every scene change is like you get. Well, that's why Cassian's the main character. If you look at the movie as Cassian and K two S O being the main characters, it takes a totally different turn for me. That's but how I look. Still, at it. how me, do they get to Saul? Cassian Guerrero? is one of the best Star Wars characters ever. Okay, and that's why I love the movie. Not because of Jen. I love Cassian. Okay, well then they definitely did. Then the, they did the mistake by putting all the focus on this character Jen that they actually didn't have any time to develop. But they didn't. Cassian has more screen time. Okay. But then why? Before why we even, even give me see Jin, we see him murdering good guys. Yeah, cool. But again, like then they did the wrong focus in terms of editing by not focusing and making it his story. So that's that's my point is that like they they didn't actually give enough structure to the people to actually make them feel important and and relevant. Like, I guess we got some stuff from Cassian yeah. that was great, but ultimately like I couldn't remember the dude's name. Uh, <laughs> like and you know I was like oh yeah that guy's pretty sweet. Um, Come on, Diego Luna. But it's not to me the fact that nobody has a lightsaber. Yeah. I don't give a shit that he doesn't have a lightsaber. Like that, that, that I, I couldn't care less about the that. fact like, that he killed his own informant. You know, I'm in the look on yeah, his that, face that when hints he at kills something. his own informant. That hints at some character. I agree with you there. Uh, Jin just has yeah. very, very little. Um, and and you know, like how do they find Saul Guerrero? They get kidnapped. How do they sort of move from scene? How does she move from? this one place to another uh she's in a truck and then she gets kidnapped and brought to the rebels like she doesn't go to them like there's just like you know somebody grabs you and then a scene changes um so it's to me it's like it's a lot of just sort of passive action and things just happen to Jin, and she is your protagonist like cassian may that's end up war. being like, oh when i think about it i really like him that's the war like her her heroism was that she took the one option that was open for her to do the right thing she was completely unable to do what she wanted to do which was just to get away from the whole thing so she said fuck it i'm gonna try and okay do the right but thing john here. boyega's that's, character that's, the war. that's how john, war works people don't yeah, hold have on, but john boyega's character did that in a much more interesting way yeah but finn's character is completely unrealistic i mean i love john boyega and finn I, but I'll, you know that that whole we've got you from birth and all of a sudden he f- is a normal human being is running away he's falling in love with women and so forth that's un- completely unrealistic that doesn't that doesn't bother me one bit what i but i do like about it, is it doesn't bother like, me, i want to get away from here and i want to run well i i don't know human nature yeah. can sometimes outlive training mm-hmm. um so, you know, like yeah. for him, it's like, I want to run away and like, oh, I'm going to show some cowardly sides and then I'm going to, but then I'm going to turn around and do the right thing, right? Because I'm like probably in love with this girl um, yeah. or just because I know what it's right. One of the two. Um, whereas mm-hmm. with Jin, like we don't even really see her want to run away. We don't know why she wants to run away. We've been told that she's a survivor, but we don't actually show it. She doesn't show any evidence of that until she just starts shooting some people, I guess. Um and even then, like, that firefight happens. rescued. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, even then, like, the firefight happens K2's to K2's great, you have to admit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love K2. Yeah, K2 is yeah. actually one of my favorite parts of the, of the movie. His eyes? Think, Dude, his eyes were yeah, more alive than much. Leia or Tarkin's eyes. Totally. Well, and, and actually, that, this is another thing that we were talking about. So, anyway, my answer to your question is, I think it's 
execution not uh, can we talk about the things you liked but, about but, rogue one because i love you and your opinion and i love rogue one i'm, I'm here about what you liked about rogue one yeah. yeah let's talk about those eyes let's talk about those eyes first and foremost the fucking eyes and like the cg of those robots i thought was fucking fantastic because that is what cg should be used for is for making these things that are a little bit closer to um, computer models, like into something that feels like way more natural. Um, you know how like Pixar did toys because that's what I never thought he wasn't there. I never thought he wasn't there. Alan Tudyk literally was on stilts. And by the way, the slapping <sighs> of Cassian was a total improv. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think that's yeah. actually really great. I didn't know that that was the case. Yeah. Like, like Alan Tudyk was on stilts next to Cassian and he was turning to say something like very quickly and he just kind of hit him in the face. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Do that, do that, do yeah, that. Go with it. <laughs> Fucking do it. Yeah, yeah that's There's great. more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, so I thought, um, I thought he was great. Um, I thought he was probably one of the best. And then you have, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, the guy who's uh, Ip Man, um, fucking Donnie. Um, what's his name? You know, the, the Force Monk. Chirrut Mway, yeah. No, 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 but what's his real name? Donnie, Donnie Yang. Donnie Yang? Donnie Yang. Yeah, Don, Yang. Yeah. Yang. Yeah, I fucking loved Who's him. Who's like 53, by the way, in real life. He's He looks fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. So I really loved him, uh, and I thought I thought it did really really well with his whole character and i liked him sort of like this you know the, the idea that there are these people that are sort of semi jedis but they're definitely not actually jedis hanging around um i wanted to know more about him like i think the cast could have been made a little bit smaller and tighter the short comic i don't normally recommend comics to people but the short comic run about chirut and bays uh, which is just a handful of issues you can get digitally cheap is really interesting about their their background together yeah well i I believe they have a very interesting background um, and I wish we actually got to see it in the movie rather than you know needing to go somewhere else um, but it was two hours and three minutes otherwise it's two hours and thirty minutes and everyone's complaining about all the exposition and how long so, it was like wonder so Woman. cut a character cut a character like cut two characters. Um, you know, like you could do a better job. You really didn't have that many. with less people. I mean, Bodhi. If you take out the 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 Bodhi brainwashing scene with the uh, Borgali, like he was very much just a side character. Jin was basically a side character. You know, and the that's thing is, the you know why Jin problem, works for me? Jin's not a Jin's not a protagonist, but she's but, you know, but, as one. And here's that's the, reason, the movie's failing. He, yeah, here's the here's the reason Jin works for me. Because Felicity Jones is an Academy-nominated brilliant actress, and so they can give her almost nothing, and she turns it into something. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like that's exactly what happened. She turned it into something, but there was nothing there for her to really work with. Um, but they were tools of the larger rebellion. That's what's so great, you know? That's, they were expendable, you know? I mean, that's not that interesting of a story, though. Like, they, yeah, uh, they're tools. It but is a suicide mission of anonymous rebels uh, whose story is just being told. To me, is a very interesting story. But that's the difference between people who wanted to see it and didn't. Okay, it's it's a it's a great shift. It's a great shift, especially from like normal uh, Star Wars shit. Like, I totally agree with you there. Um, but it's not like. Um, 
it's not like you couldn't actually flesh her out or give her more agency or make her more interesting and not still have that work. In fact, it would be better. I, I like, like that she didn't have agency, personally. Uh, that's just bad writing, man. Like, you can still have somebody who's, so. like, fighting against what's happening to them then and, like, sort of showing that. Well, no, this is, like, a writing thing. Like, an active versus a passive protagonist is, like, one of the things that you sort of learn as the most basic uh, uh, rule of writing. Is that, okay, are your characters making choices and doing shit? Adam, or are things Adam, just I'm happening sorry, to, to characters? You. I have to stop you. I have to stop you. The five-minute-long scene with the hologram where Felicity Jones is literally staring at nothing and crying and bawling with she's seeing her dad for the first time in like 20 years with Saw Gerrera there. That is a spectacular emotional performance considering it wasn't even in the room. I don't know if she Dude, was even listening to that speech when she was doing actors. it. That is so impressive. And uh, then when she gets to see him in his dying moments and, and, and that's what sets her off. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated, you know? It doesn't have to be like, that's it, you know? Like, she was a good girl growing up. Her dad got caught up in some shit. She hit the streets. Now is being forced back into the rebellion. And because of her dad, she's saying fuck it. And she and the fact that this street rat with these bunch of other street rats is what forms the rebellion as we know it, it, it I think is a really cool story. Because we always assume the rebellion was like noble and radical and active from the beginning. And this shows us that that's not the case. Mon Mothma and everyone did not want to fight. Yeah, that dude, all those things that you're saying are true, but... <laughs> What you're just, what you're not, I think, hearing from me is just that, like, they didn't show that she was a street rat. They didn't show that she had anything. There was no establishing scene. Yeah, sold through like, performance, uh, like Ray. Yeah. But there wasn't My, look, through performance. It didn't the come most, through. No, no, it was no, just but, but, her being quiet and looking I'm at the camera. With you. I'm agreeing. Okay, with you. I'm, the most, the most, the most common Bizzlecast saying that is just one of those things you either agree with or don't is sold through performance. I talk about it all the time. Is what? For me, it's sold through performance. For you, it wasn't sold through performance. But I'm saying in general, philosophically, I'm okay with trying to sell some of these things through performance as opposed to exposition or long backstory. In fact, they should have cut out the baby gin in the beginning and just launched right into the movie. I would have done. Um, so, um, but I will say, man, honestly, and, and this, is, this is my mea culpa, is it just hit me in the feels. I mean, from the moment they hit that beachhead and you just felt they were all going to die in the way it went down, I just got really choked up Like for the last 45-plus minutes of that movie, even before Vader and Leia. And, and so for me, the emotional experience... The first hour does drag. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny that. But it's worth it for me because of the emotional payoff later, and that's just a personal choice. Yeah, I, I agree that the emotional payoff is much better, and like the movie itself is much more of an active movie um, as you move into the last 45 minutes or whatever or hour. That's great. Also, best um, space battle ever. Fuck Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. Battle. Fuck the prequels. That was the best space battle of all time. Why would the prequels even be in contention? Um, yeah, I, I think that... Um, well, the beginning of I, Revenge of the Sith is pretty sick, but whatever. No. Okay. That is an opinion that one person can have. But I think... <laughs> but I think no, that, you, could, um, you could literally just watch the first 20 minutes 
a Revenge of the Sith with the giant space battle, and then he beheads Count Dooku. Like, that 20 minutes, you just watch that and then stop the movie. It's pretty entertaining. All right. Cool. Yeah. But what I was going to say, just is that, like, I agree with you that it continues to be great in the back half, and I completely agree with that. And the reason why I just don't love the movie is because I think the first is fumbled. And I think um, you could still end it the exact same way, maybe with some less characters, and you've actually paid into them a little bit more, and you know what they're fighting for a little bit better. Um, And I think it's going to be even stronger. Um, So I, I don't think anything about the first half of the movie is necessary in order to make the back half, like there's nothing that what I'm saying, like, Oh, if you change this, this or that, that would take away from the gut punches. I think it would make them even stronger. You do have to admit though, just from a pure, can we we talk about Canon very briefly Mm -hmm. from a pure mythological standpoint, just the story of rogue one, whether you've read the books and the comics or you've just seen the movie, the story of rogue one does add to the lead up to a new hope. Totally. I think. Totally. Because now Princess Leia's desperation is even more desperate because Leia was there at the battle witnessing what was going on, I think is so cool. And that's why I don't care about the CGI. Just the fact that Leia was there, she was the ace in the hole, and Leia probably was worshipped Jin Erso and those people, right? And we're never going to hear about it, but that's fine. But like it would make sense that the Rogue One crew would be so inspiring to her. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Princess Leia acts almost suicidally at times in the original trilogy, trying to get the job done. And this just adds new meaning to that. And that's why I think Disney, maybe this is a great way to uh, maybe lead towards the uh, main final big talk, uh, philosophical talk is that I, I think Disney is by far doing more things right than things wrong in these first few years of the star Wars movies thoughts. Oh, I I couldn't agree more, man. Like, okay, let's let's put it this way: the chance that I would have loved, and like, not only would I have liked um, Episode Seven, but it actually made it so that I cared about whether what happened in Star Wars actually made it so that like it was. Um, made it so that like I believe that Star Wars is a place where stories could be told again and that you could give a shit like the degree of difficulty that 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 there exists in order to make that possible is almost unbelievable like especially by like tying it back to an old story trying to wrap things up um, all of the things that they did for seven were so hard to do and there's a lot of things that are wrong with that movie and I totally understand why people have problems with the stupid slime tentacle balls and you know all the sort of things that were carbon cut uh copies of each other but everything what they did that was right and the task solo and you're the dead man (laughs) yeah yeah i mean fucking absurdity but like i sort of excise that i like those guys yeah that's it's it's fun that some that like fun little clubs exist um but you know what i mean like they had such a harder job to do and they fucking pulled it off like i give a shit kidding me they give a shit again the level of difficulty for this entire operation when they announced this in 2012 that they were paying four billion dollars for lucasfilm to now over the five years i'm sorry i know you don't love rogue one but you have to admit and you haven't watched rebels which i personally think is great um i like all ages cart uh cartoon no 
I, I, let me say, I agree, man. They're, they're excellent stewards, and I think they're doing a fucking great job. And you know what really pisses me off? Was when Kathleen Kennedy, who is an old friend and colleague of George Lucas, who was the one specifically agreed upon by both Disney and Lucas to shepherd Lucasfilm to Disney, mm-hmm. who produced the Indiana Jones movies, who produced E.T., and Enca- Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like all the great Spielberg movies... And when she fired the Han Solo directors, the first thing the the idiot male nerds did was start blaming Kathleen Kennedy and saying she would be should be fired and doesn't know how to run the Star Wars franchise. I I just like wanted to blow my top. I'm like, do you guys realize what you've gotten in the last few years? This franchise was dead. The prequels are a joke. Jar Jar Binks is a synonym for horrible filmmaking. Like <laughs> you know, like to come back to this to get J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson who are so acclaimed you know doing these visions and like are you and i gonna love everything in the last jedi probably not especially because it's the middle movie and so there's Mm. gonna be a lot of non-resolution but no but that's why i'm gonna love it more that's why i'm gonna love this one way more right okay oh here's okay and ryan johnson is it ryan johnson i thought it was ryan i thought it was a weird spelling it's ryan it's 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 the it's the irish spelling of ryan but it's ryan um yeah no i'm i'm really excited uh about what his vision of star wars looks like okay so here we go Uh, because i want you to talk i want to interview you so no spoilers i'm not saying anything i just want to make a comment about spoiler culture and about rogue one Mm -hmm. um and i think i'm not telling you you should change your strategy but your complete blackout before a movie like Rogue One might have harmed your viewing a little bit because basically what Disney does now is the following. I'm not giving away any specific information, so please don't jump on me, okay? I'm letting you talk. You trust me? Sort of. Trust me. I sort of trust you. So they release a teaser trailer, you know, about eight to ten months before the movie. Then they have the Disney celebration and they do a behind the scenes thing, which you definitely shouldn't watch because that has more spoilery stuff than I think the actual teaser trailer does. And then Entertainment Weekly, which has become the official trade publication of all things Marvel, Disney, comic book or whatever, they get a small amount of information directly from the actors and the director and the producers. It's a cover story in the most recent issue. It's eight pages, but you look online and they expand on that and they talk about the characters. They don't talk about anything that doesn't happen in the first 10 or 15 minutes, but they do talk about stuff that happens in the first 10 or 15 minutes and some characters, for example, that I'm not going to mention who maybe do more than you think or do less than you think in the movie. Right. So what I'm saying is Disney has mastered the spoiler thing where they've gotten people, both the actors and directors inside and people outside to buy into a certain amount of information leakage, where if you want to go in totally fresh like you, as I was saying earlier in 2017, it's amazing that you even have the option, the amount of time you spend on the internet and your knowledge of the internet that you could avoid it is pretty awesome. And that Disney is, is helping with that process. But if you do want to 
be prepared for a few things, especially if you're a podcaster like me, man. Like, I need material leading up to the movie, you know? Like, I don't want to be completely spoiled, but, like, I need some stuff to talk about. Um, and I also want to be prepared. Well, there you go. That's, that's why you'd want it. Like, that's why you'd want it, is to commentary and to think about it and to talk about it. But I'm saying it's not strict spoiler. It's not, Luke, I am your father. That's different. It, it's... I'm arguing that there's that there's different levels of spoilers and information. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And that Disney's doing a good job yeah. of offering a little bit of information about some species and some minor storylines or whatever to people who are interested like me and to people like you. You can just avoid it and you don't have to see it. That's what they do in Entertainment Weekly as opposed to Huffington Post, for example. Yeah. So, okay. So here's here's where I'm really yeah. interested in because I can't okay. respond to any of these things necessarily. But I so want to hear things? some of your predictions about the new movie having avoided all spoilers mm. and I'm not going to comment on anything <laughs> where I will bring in a spoiler. So can I ask okay. you some general questions? Do you, do you want to are you asking me what I want to happen or what I think will happen? Either or both. Okay. 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 Ray, Poe, Finn, Kylo Ren. Talk about any all whatever you want. Okay, what I want to happen is for Kylo Ren to put his fucking helmet back on, number one, because I think it sounds really cool. I love his fucking voice. The weird, like, clipped wannabe Vader voice is rad, and I think he actually loses a little something without it. I have a bad feeling that he's not going to do that, unfortunately, um, but I think he should because it's such a fucking uh, rad look. Okay. Was I the only one when I saw... I'm sorry. Was I the only one when I saw Adam Driver take off the helmet and do his kylo ren minus the helmet and go man george lucas fucked up with hayden christensen <laughs> yeah maybe like, they could he couldn't get 50 percent to adam driver who's a fantastic actor <laughs> in this role like you know yeah he's even got the enough. brown flowing hair like yeah so. yeah that's probably true but yeah you know um right. So I think I think the helmet is actually like a pretty useful character thing and I think it actually should be something that he uses as more of a crutch. I think his character would like want to keep putting the helmet on and keeping that identity alive. So I kind of hope that that shows up for at least a little bit. I want Luke and Ray, I want, you know, Luke to be the uh, reluctant teacher who then like Ray breaks down the things eventually. Um, and then like gets, gets him after much like, you know, sassiness and reluctance to actually start to like focus her powers. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, are you aware, are you aware of Porgs? No, I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, okay. and then I want, um, I mean, I guess I don't really, I just, I guess I just want like some development of Poe Dameron, I guess. Um, but again, like. I feel so little about him right now anyway that I, I kind of don't care. I know he's going to be the funny one. So that's cool, but whatever. Um, and then Finn, I want to start like making relationships and then like gaining something to fight for. That's not just Ray. Um, and maybe starting by the to, way, like, gain I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you. What's up? I have to, I have to interrupt you. Rose Rose is in the main cast photo, so that's not a spoiler. She's a major Dog, character. I don't look at anything. I don't understand what I can tell you. That like I don't look you at posters. You knew John Boyega and Daisy Ridley going into Force Awakens. Give me a break. I didn't. I fucking didn't, dude. I had no idea. Total media blackout. No spoilers. Zero. We are so different. 
We are so Yeah, different. exactly. I don't have a fucking podcast where I need to talk about shit. So I just want to enjoy the art in its purest form with no preconceptions. That well, is you the also point. live in a vineyard in the middle of the country, so you can black out from this shit. Dude, everyone's got Twitter. Like, I have to try very fucking hard. <laughs> media like yeah, it's not must. about somebody oh, it's not about, about somebody that. coming up to me and fucking throwing an ad in my face because i happen to be in new york city it's about twitter that is the problem um and thank god i just don't go on fucking facebook anyway for any reason so i'm at least spared that garbage um, actually no i have i have a qu- just a quick point on that which is um i can tell you're not very again, interested in my, my predictions my, okay yes let's no 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 i'm interested i just i can't respond to anything you're saying because i know the answer to at least two thirds of the questions that you're saying, but mm. um, at least how things start. I have no idea how they end. I honestly don't. I, I mean, will you at least believe me that I honestly have no clue how things are unfolding? I just happen to know where things are set up. That's it. Yes, I don't know how anything's is, unfolding. Un- I totally believe that, but how it's set up is a spoiler to me. Great. Okay. So what Disney's doing really great was, they fired Lord and Miller, who were directing Han Solo. They put in right. Ron Howard, <clears throat> who should have been directing it in the first place. By the way, Ron Howard was supposed to direct The Phantom Menace, uh, which oh, would have been way man, better really? than what Lucas did. Yeah. That's um, very interesting, actually. Yeah, Lucas loves him because he was in American Graffiti back in the day. So Lucas has been uh, sort of a sure. mentor sure. or whatever. Um, but, anyways. Um, uh, so Ron Howard will like tweet a photo of him sitting in the Millennium Falcon, for example. And like, that's not a spoiler. That's just a cool image that gets us excited, you know? And Disney clearly told Ron Howard, like, we need to distract from the horrible press we're getting about firing the directors. So start tweeting like a madman about anything that doesn't give away any spoilers from the movies, you know? So he'll have like a little Chewbacca doll that he'll like, you know, tweet a picture of in the Millennium Falcon or whatever. That's what I'm saying. I think there's a way to get news and images to people without ruining things um i don't want to be marketed to like period i don't want to go in with any of the marketing materials that have been given to me like i'm pretty um aware of marketing gimmicks and the kind of shit that it's put out because i'm a work in the business that actually puts some of that shit out and when it comes to things that i care about media that i actually care about don't go to the um, toy I want store. To be, yeah i won't like you're not kidding. I Hasbro fucking bro is constantly ruining shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's yeah. kind of my approach is to avoid a lot of things uh, surrounding anything that I actually like care about, and I care about very few properties. Like I, I actually did not, um, I did not actively look into Rogue One shit, but I did not. I was not as worried um, about spoilers as I was for Episode Seven because I really wanted to be able to judge that with like a clear conscience. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like how I roll, but, um, I gotta tell you, man, it's, I think it's the fucking way to go. If you don't have to do something, you really can just focus on what you've seen and you don't have any other notions or any other like (laughs) shit that's been shoved down your throat from a fucking marketing department. Um, that, you know, is kind of forcing you to not see, but this is where I disagree with you. I, I don't think we're arguing the same thing. What I'm arguing is I love a movie like Rogue One or The Force Awakens 
because of the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time I watch the movie, not the first time I watch it. You're very much like my oh, former uh, podcast partner, Matt Goisman, in not wanting to know anything. It's all about the first viewing experience, and maybe you'll watch it again if you liked it, but you mostly want to watch new things. And don't want to watch things over and over again. I don't watch a lot of television. I love movies. And so when I love a movie, whether it is Rogue One or Wonder Woman or Logan, I will see that movie numerous times in the theater and then purchase it digitally or otherwise and watch it some more and analyze it. For me, it's all about the character moments and the humor and the drama and the character beats and stuff like that. And so that's why I'm not that concerned with spoilers. I mean, let let me ask you straight up. From one to from zero percent to a hundred percent, how much did you think that Han Solo was going to die in Force Awakens before you saw it? Hundred percent being absolutely sure, zero percent being having no clue. I I actively tried not to think about it. Is actually the real answer to your question Um, because I I sort of didn't want to go into even considering whether or not that was going to happen. Um, so, so different, I guess, you and me. I guess I didn't have any perception whatsoever because I refused to really think about or consider it. I just tried to see it with clear eyes. But and I'm not like the, you. And this is the difference. I'm not like you. If you told me yeah. that there's some big reveal with Han Solo, I'd be like, "Well, oh, he's dead. Never mind." Like I didn't I, say that. You know what I mean? I didn't ruin no, no, no. For you. But I'm saying that if one did say that oh. to me, like I'm. <laughs> I'm good enough to yeah, know. I got really defensive, but uh, yeah, anyway, no, you're you accusing you me of ruining no, the Han no, no, Solo no. spot. No, 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 not at all. But like, you know, it's like I, uh, I feel like I can read shit pretty well when it's put in front of me, and that that's actually part of the problem is that I'm rarely surprised that if I start to pull on something, I can sort of figure out where it goes. Well, here's um, the, here's the difference. Here's here's the question though. Here's the question. Star Wars is the best at the Joseph Campbell mythological archetypal, you know, characters and story arcs and so forth. But it's the best, right? So no matter how many Marvel and DC movies, the best Star Wars movies are still going to be better than all these other Hollywood films, even the good ones, because George Lucas understood it. And they're, they're taking the best of Lucas and taking it into new directions. But I independently deduced that Han Solo would die. I independ. Did you see Wonder Woman? Nope. Can I spoil it? Yeah, you can spoil Wonder Woman. Wow, you really aren't interested. I don't like comic books, man. I just don't care. Well, no, it's, it's just a great, it's a great, uh, story. It doesn't matter if you like comic books. My mom yeah. loved it. She hates comic well, book movies. Let me put it this way. Uh, I'm not going to be emotionally invested in, what happens in the story. Like I might see it, I might enjoy the movie, but I'm, I'm not going to need to be. You will in this one because the best love story uh, in, in 150 comic book movies that are been made, this is the best love story by far. And it's not a coincidence that the main character is a female and Chris Pine is playing the quote unquote female character as like the sidekick. He's playing, or whatever. he's playing the, the person that needs to be saved. Is that kind of the, right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's cute. But like that. but he's still very manly and relatable and that's why it works and that's why men like it as much as women. But Well, cuz he's just Trevor, a fucking person. <laughs> they just continue to let him be a he's person. A spy. Yeah. Well, well no like, no one ever know, makes men into not people. <laughs> it's like not something that happens. He's Cassian Andor basically. He's a spy. And 
Cassian from uh, Rogue One, uh, okay, Diego okay, Luna's yeah. character. Uh, he dies in the end, you know. And Steve Trevor is not that important in the Wonder Woman comics, other than occasional love interest. But they cast Chris Pine, and he had amazing chemistry with Gal Gadot, and they decided to make him a major part of the movie. And he sacrifices himself at the end, not just to to win the day, but to make her real, uh, force her to realize how powerful she was and how much the world needed her more than him. It's very romantic and sad. It, it's a crying moment for sure. But I, mm-hmm. I suspected that that was going to happen. But the way it unfolded with their interactions throughout the movie, I'm not sitting there in the theater going, is he going to die? 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 I'm just watching the film. And then when it got close to the end, then you're going, okay, I think he's probably going to die. But even when he died, I was like crying the first time I saw it. You know, I was tearing up. So it was like with Rogue One. Like I, by the way, I was one of the only podcasts to accurately predict months before Rogue One that everyone was going to die. People, you can go back on the tape, Bizzlecast listeners, I said it numerous times that they would all die. Everyone else thought K2 would get out or Jin or Cassian. But honestly, man, when it actually happened, I didn't want it to happen because I was actually attached enough to the characters at that point, at least a couple of them, that I was hoping I was wrong. I ended up being right. But it doesn't bother me because it's, it's, for me, it's the journey, not the destination. That's, that's my, I'll stop preaching. I'm sorry. I'm on my high horse now. I got to get off. Yeah. To me, the journey is the artistic journey of watching the fucking film with <laughs> no, with no other bullshit attached to it. So I want to see what does the film make me feel just by itself. But like, l- let's, let's give a non-dying comparison. Let's give a non-dying comparison. So end of, end of Force Awakens, and this will be a good way to sort of wrap up towards the end, and we'll make a couple of final observations and then wrap up. Um, yeah, sure. End of Force Awakens, Ray tries to fight Kylo Ren for two seconds, gets thrown against a tree or whatever, gets knocked out. John Boyega does his best. Finn, no, Finn then takes oh, up the right, lightsaber. Right, right. Ray's down. Finn takes up the lightsaber, tries to fight. Finn gets slashed in the back. Kylo Ren tries to call the lightsaber. You know it's going to Ray, even the first time you see it, right? This is what I'm talking about. Like, you knew it was going to Ray. You knew that it was going to go to the, Ray. Dude, these are not equivalent to spoilers. Like... Me, no, like no, the no, film telegraphing what's going to I'm just trying to make a gray area here. I'm just trying to make a gray okay. area of, of the viewing, watching experience. That's all. But every time I watch that scene, and this is what I say, actually, which is I always have Force Awakens on my like iPhone and iPad because I can watch it in pieces and still really like it. Rogue One, I really need to just watch, like sit down and just watch it because it's a bit of a slog as we talked about and then it gets great at the end and, you know, it's like an experience. Force Awakens, I can just watch anytime. But when I get to that final scene, I need to watch the whole thing at once. And the final lightsaber battle, just like the battle in Empire Strikes Back, isn't great because of the fight choreography. It's great because of the emotional stakes. I mean, he has her over the cliff with his giant lightsaber. Like, how does she not fall off? And then the thing happens to split right in the middle so that they separate, you know? I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous, but because of the emotional stakes, you're right there. That's all I'm saying. For me, the emotional part of these movies is the most important thing. And so that's why I'm willing to forgive various things. Yeah, I I agree. And the question is just whether or not you successfully made me feel something or not. Um, and to me, 
the more I know, or the more that's sort of been laid out before me, it's a lot harder for me to actually get into a place where I can feel anything. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. Okay. Can I, can we end with a, with a really big picture question? Yeah. Forget. I mean, you don't know anything about episode eight. I can't comment on it. I'm frustrated, but I respect your restraint. So I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, we're past episode nine, okay? So Wait, we what? jumped back. We jumped back twenty third to thirty years to the prequels from the original trilogy, and then mm-hmm. we've now jumped thirty years ahead, uh, like real time, essentially to yeah. the new saga trilogy from the original trilogy. If you were tasked with planning out episode ten. Right now, where would you take this? Hmm. Continue with these characters? Would you try and do a whole new trilogy? Oh, you mean after episode nine? No, that would be the end. Um, <clears throat> I put that to bed. Um, I think that's the right well, it's way. It's not to go. going to. There's definitely going to be an episode 10. So I'm asking you what you would do in episode 10. Uh, I wouldn't use these characters. I'd take another step forward or show another part of the world. You do time jump. You move to another part of the galaxy. Move to a different yeah, galaxy. Yeah, ta- time jump. Time jump or non Jedi story. Though the thing is, is that maybe that the main episodes are about the Jedi. I mean, like maybe that's the whole point of them. And if that's the case, then yeah, I think you still do a, a Jedi thing. I don't know. It's hard to say. But no, I wouldn't do a time jump backwards ever. I don't, I, I think that is the territory of um, of uh, uh, you know the side stories, a Star Wars story. You know, that's why Rogue One I think like works. Um, and that's why I think other ones can. And I don't think you make them into uh, trilogies. I think you tell them as one-offs. And then you continue to advance the story into the future if you really want to. But I'm not I'm not totally sure where you should go. I think you have to know what's happening in the next two movies to be able to say, where does this happen? But um, I don't know, man. Like, at some point, I think the um, the Skywalker and whatever Ray is legacy. Um, like I, I don't know how interesting it is to continue to hash out that family tree. Um, I think it, it will eventually be time to show something else. Um, and that's why I kind of think it should end at nine, just kill it and then tell other stories in the universe. You know, don't make it an episode, just tell them other stories. That's what I would do. I would put it to bed and, uh, say, all right, here's the whole thing. Or, with a little bit more ambition, I would remake the first three movies and make um, Darth Vader's fall um, something that makes a lot more sense and something that is actually more tragic rather than being like, I killed a bunch of people and then gets a hug. And it's, it's very, it's a very fucking weird transition he had. So yeah, I would do that. I'd fucking remake those movies, make something good and then be like, here's the opera one through nine. Enjoy. And then, you know, just tell other things in the universe. So, there's one condition that I would go backwards for, but that would only be to go way backwards, like 3,000 to 4,000 years to the beginning of the Jedi and the Sith. And my idea, and I've heard this floated among other, uh, you know, Star Wars podcasters and people online as well, independently of me, is that the Obi-Wan movie, even though it seems like, do we really need an Obi-Wan movie, is actually the perfect place to do it. Because if you think about it, 
there's two main questions. So at the end of the prequels, you have, you know, baby Luke you go to the, you know, the Baru family on Tatooine and you've got, you know, you and McGregor there as Obi-Wan, right? When we see Luke in A New Hope, I think he's supposed to be 19 or 20 years old. So how does bearded Ewan McGregor get to be old-ass Alec McGuinness 20 years later on Tatooine? And on top of that, does he just sit in a cave for 20 years just waiting for something to happen? What I think they should do, and they've teased this with Star Wars Rebels and some of the other materials, is that he, I think... Uh, Rosario Dawson, who wants to play Ahsoka Tano, and I think everyone is hoping she's going to be Ahsoka Tano, uh, who was sort of the Padawan of the Padawan of Obi-Wan, shows up on Tatooine and says there's a new threat. And it wouldn't be time travel in the traditional science fiction uh, sense, but they would have like a holocron. And they would meditate in the holocron, and there was something wrong in the Force, and they go way back to the first years of the Jedi, thousands of years ago, and have an adventure there with those characters, I think would be so cool. But I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're, they're too scared of... Wait, you think Obi-Wan would fucking move backwards in time? No, no, it's not that he would move backwards in time. It would be that he would, like, inhabit a previous jedi who's aware that it's happening like three thousand years ago basically like they need obi-wan's wisdom knowledge and skills along with ahsoka um who by the way uh since i don't think you're gonna watch it so this isn't really a spoiler beats the shit out of her previous uh master uh darth vader in in rebels takes him down uh in a one-on-one duel um with her two lightsabers um, but I think would be really cool to explore the early days of the Jedi. But otherwise, yeah, I would go in a completely different direction. Well, I agree. But why with not you. just? But why not just do that as a side story? Why do that with Obi Wan? Like who? That seems like such a fucking because weird thing to do. The fans love Ewan McGregor, and I love yeah, so Ewan McGregor. Give, give him a compelling story. Like even if the story is quiet and there's not a ton of action, like throughout the entirety of the transition, I'm sure there's some part of it that's sort of an inciting moment. Um, I think there's probably more than enough to tell about Obi Wan. But it would explain what he was doing the whole time on Tatooine. It would explain why he ages, and it would explain why he has an uncanny amount of knowledge in a new hope. Oh, why he ages? I mean, he fucking ages because, you know, real life. No, I, I don't, I don't care about it, man. I'm just suggesting it as a way of, you know, getting an adventure going without him having to actually leave Tatooine. Cause it wouldn't make sense if he's, if he's defending Tatooine, you know, every second of every day to defend Luke, it wouldn't make sense for him to go off on some adventure on the other part of the galaxy. But, but maybe to go he, back in time. Maybe he does. For maybe he does like second. have to actually defend it. Like maybe that's the story. Well, in Rebels, he that could be pretty fights Darth rad. Maul again on Tatooine and kills him. But anyways, what? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Darth Maul came. Yeah, back? Darth Maul comes back. Yeah, okay, but it's well, actually dumb. really good. It's good Come because on. they turned Darth Maul into a Gollum kind of character where he's sort of 
obsessed with the power of the Sith, but he hates the Sith and he wants to destroy it at the same time. And he's like constantly talking to himself and things like that. It's very good. Just a great performance. Otherwise I wouldn't care, but it's very cool performance. Yeah. But like the dudes was cut in half and fell through a fucking thing. I don't know. That seems a little far fetched to me, but I mean, I guess, I guess what I really wish is that they didn't kill off the coolest part of the coolest part of that fucking movie. Um, they didn't kill him off to start with. Like, that would have been cool is to not have him die. And, you know, he was the only thing that was interesting. I'd explain how he comes back to life, but you don't care. So I'm not going to bother. Yeah, no, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. But, but, but do you agree with me that the early days of the Jedi, which they've done comic books on that are quite good, would be kind of a cool thing to see? Absolutely. Uh, but I, I don't think that, I don't think the device that you just used to sort of shoehorn it in makes sense. I think just fucking show it, Fine. you know, just do a Star Wars story. Fine. It would be rad. Right. But then you don't have Ewan McGregor, awesome. you know? Yeah. Two separate movies. One's an Obi-Wan one, one's an ancient Jedi one. Like, that shit would be rad. Yeah. Yeah. Episode zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some asshole um, is actually pitching that in a fucking conference room right now. I know. Episode zero. Oh god. Yeah. Well luckily they have a good brain trust. The the story group and what's great about the story group is they all have defined roles outside the story group. So like Dave Filoni is the guy who did the Star Wars Clone Wars for Lucas and then he came to Disney because they were so impressed by what he did with the Clone Wars and now he's doing Star Wars Rebels and all the animated stuff goes through him. They have a guy named Pablo Hidalgo. He's the one that does all like the visual dictionaries and the visual guides and the picture books and stuff, but also comes up with like all the weird technical names for everything. I mean, they, they have people who are specifically responsible for this information, which only 5% of the fan base cares about, but I think it, it shows in the movies. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I think it is like the basis for why this is so fucking good. It's like why Road of the Rings is good, yeah. dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that backstory translates. There. It translates. Yeah. Like, it's hard to yeah. necessarily see in every frame. But the fact that, like, you actually have an answer to, whoa, what the fuck is that thing that guy is wearing? And actually know what its purpose is means that the art direction actually follows logical sense. And it, like, it just yeah. makes everything so much richer. I'm totally with you. Yeah. It's like, for example, I mean, this is a dumb example, but I think the simplicity of this example proves the point, which is... If I ask my mom the diff- after Rogue One the difference between an X-Wing and a Y-Wing, she'd have no idea what I was talking about. But it was very clear to her that there was one kind of ship that was attacking other ships, and there was one kind of ship that was, like, bombing things, you know? Yeah, like, yeah totally. She was very... And that there was the U-Wing, which was the transport, um, which, by the way, that wasn't CGI, they fucking lowered that thing on a giant crane when they jumped out of it on the planet with the U-Wing. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It, when here, here's a great story to end with. I'll get your final thought. Uh, Peter Jackson happened to be there on the day. And as we know, Peter Jackson has gone to the dark side from practical effects to CGI. <clears throat> Um, from the Lord of the Rings to the Hobbit movies, which are a disgrace. Um, and that was the day they were doing the Ewing scene and they were having tons of problems because of the weather and the crane and everything. And PJ 
uh, just turned to Gareth Edwards, the director, and he was just like, dude, you should just CGI this. And Gareth Edwards was like, no, man, no, we're doing this. We're doing this for real. I don't care how long it takes. And it looks awesome. You know, I mean, it looks totally seamless. They're dropping the U-wing, the wings go back and they jump out, you know, like, dude, that, that was real. Yeah. Were the wings movement, the wing movement was real. I don't know if the wing movement in particular, but the, the ship itself and then sitting in it and jumping out wasn't a CGI green screen thing. They were in a thing. It was lowered. There was wind fans and there was a crane and they jumped out. I think it's, I think it's that piece. It's the them jumping out part. It's that it, it's, it's not that the ship, like, cause they can do a ship like in CGI. Cause that's like what it's fucking built for. It's their interaction and then leaving it and actually having it be like a realistic jump and all that shit like that. That is actually a little bit harder. Um, oh, that's so, be- that's so great. I love that they did that. No, they said they did it. They said they had hair, they had hair problems because there was so much wind going on. They had to yeah. like keep redoing their hair. No, that's what stuff. I mean. Like, that's that's what the problem degree. is. Like, I apologize. it's not, it's not just yeah. jumping off a little thing. It's like getting the jump to look realistic. And that's why they wouldn't be doing it with CGI. But yeah, dude, that's, that's fucking great. I love that. Anyway, what's, what's the uh, final thought question or whatever? So final question for you is, um, the uh, Marvel movies have gone from pretty good to really good to now just kind of okay. I didn't even see Spider-Man. Um, I'm digging the rated R movies like Deadpool and Logan, but mostly they're not doing that stuff. I think since Joss Whedon left Marvel for DC, Marvel has suffered. Uh, I'm a big home, I'm a big fanboy. My first question is, is there a sense in which... I guess there's a number of properties you could name, but specifically, so this fall is the 15th anniversary of Firefly and the 14th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. Is there a sense in which Firefly and Battlestar Galactica kind of carried the torch for space opera for a while because the prequels were so terrible and there wasn't much else going on? Maybe we should give some credit to some of these other properties. Or do you think the Star Wars brand would have survived and thrived again no matter what? Yeah, I think the the love of Star Wars is not really a love of space opera. It's a love of Star Wars. Um, I think they're almost unrelated, uh, except for those who are going to be interested in this type of science fiction no matter what. Um, so no, I, I think Star Wars did it without the help. Um, in terms of keeping science fiction alive and well, I, I actually think, you know, don't, don't count out Trek as being, it's a very, very different vision, obviously, of what could look like Deep Space Nine, um, Next Gen, like Next Gen started. Deep Space Nine was over by 99. Yeah, but that was a big place where there was nothing going on, right? Like that was 80, would you say that 87 was, was, you know, 87 was where things started right. to die down? No, no, I'm not talking and about And then that. Next Gen I'm talking about from 2000. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. Next Gen was done by 94. Mm-hmm. And then Deep Space Nine continued the torch a little bit longer, and then they f- 99, and, they and then Voyager. Oh, yeah, Voyager, right. Yeah, Voyager. Um, which I actually think is actually better than I mean, most look, people I'm not, I mean, look, I didn't coin the, I didn't coin this phrase, so I'm not going to take credit, but I agree with it, that in, in 2009, when you saw Star Trek reboot movie, it was the best Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. I mean, that, that was... You could tell J.J. Abrams was trying to do a Star Wars movie in the Star Trek universe. 
And so in that sense, sure. Yeah. It kept it alive a little oh, bit. I don't no, know if the TV series I didn't, did I didn't mean the favors. I didn't mean the movies actually. I was just talking about the show. Like I feel like the sh- cuz I don't think that I actually don't think the mm-hmm. I don't think the movies are very space at all. Um I think they're just kind of like fun action movies. Um I think I think Trek kind of kept space interesting in pop culture uh, a lot. And then I think Firefly, what was the other thing you you mentioned? Battlestar. Battlestar. Battlestar did a, 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 a huge job bringing it back. I think Battlestar gets a and lot actually, of credit Ryan Johnson, for keeping... This is not a spoiler, but Ryan Johnson has cited Battlestar as an influence on, on the new movie. He wanted to be a little bit more grungy and deal with the, the common people a little bit more and stuff like that. Yeah, if anything, I don't think Battlestar did them any favors because... Again, I love The Force Awakens, but the space battle parts of Force Awakens are pale in comparison to the better Battlestar uh, space battles. Um, yeah. So I almost hope they integrate more of that type of stuff, you know, where the ships are flying sideways, you know, which is much more realistic and cool, you know, things like that. Like, I, I, Well, the best, the best like, ship battles were all ones on planets um, in, in Force Awakens. Like, I don't consider, like, the final, like, faux Death Star planet a planet when I'm saying that. I mean, like, the other ones. So when they come and they rescue uh, Maz's place, um, oh, actually, I guess I don't really care about that one that much. The one that I think is really amazing is the opening one where um, where uh, Ray is learning to fly the Millennium Falcon. Like, that yes. is one of the best ship battles you've ever Twisting seen. Twisting you have it, yeah. Yeah, and you have this, the horizon line is all of a sudden like an element that's actually in there and like, I thought that shit was fucking beautiful. Um, and then I'm, I think I've been on record, I don't know if I ever put this out here, but the ending space battle that surrounds the whole like death of Han Solo thing, that's actually I think a, a, a total mistake. I don't think that should have been there. I think... The whole fight should have been these three people get in there, they blow up the thing, you know, they have bombs, they blow it up, and then they have a fight yeah. outside. Like, that is the only action yeah. we care about. Um, so that whole other battle scene, shape battle thing, didn't need to happen. Or, at most, have Poe fly in on a stealth ship by himself to help or something. At most. But yeah, I agree with you. D, don't yeah, yeah. Or so, you know. You know, like, or he could have been the guy that flew them there, and maybe like he had to fly through a blockade or something cool in order to like show that he's a great pilot. You know, maybe you need to do that. That would have been him. cool. Having him fly a cargo ship or something would have been really cool. Yeah, and actually have shit like, or maybe it's the kind of thing where, like he was trying to fly stealth, and then like, they go after him, and then he has to kill them all, and it was really hard. Like, okay, all that would have been great, but like the the status of like, oh, blow this thing up before the sun goes down, like, meh. I think like all of that tension could still have been had by the people having the much more interesting conflict, um, you know, with Han and not knowing whether or not to shoot Kylo and all that shit. Like all that was, was the real point of that scene. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Like that last ship battle, I think one of the reasons why it wasn't that spectacular was also cause like the stakes didn't matter. Cause it's like, aren't they going to be the ones to do this? And turns out, yeah, they mm-hmm. mostly did anyway. So, like, the whole ships showing up are kind of irrelevant, except for someone had to come in and then, like, you know, take, take like, the nice little, like, you know, Star Fox shot at the end. Um, that was weird. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Like, I don't, I don't think Battlestar did anything favors just because I don't think Star Wars needs um, any help uh, being in front of mind for people. But I, I, what I really think was 
what did it was that they did a good job on the first one, um, making it so that it, Star Wars felt like a place that there was still a story to tell and made me feel like there are characters that I give a shit about. So I think that's kind of the, the hardest thing. They did it on their own. Yeah. These are my greatest space battles of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, Return of the Jedi. I don't care. You watch just the Pretty space good. battle of Return of the Jedi, how dynamic the camera is and how realistic the models are. The A-Wing yeah. kamikazeing into the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. so much yeah. going on. Um, Rogue One with the hammerhead. I know not everyone loved this, but yeah. just the, the balls to have the hammerhead crash into the Star Destroyer to crash into another Star Destroyer and that they were oh, people didn't blow like up that? the shield thing. You know, people are No, that shit was rad. It's not not gravitationally correct. I'm like, fuck you. No, fuck Um, that. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the way, I love that the calamari are the the most militant and smart uh, of all of the the military figures. You know, that was one of my favorite parts of Rogue One, where they finally convinced Mod Mothma and all them to like go to battle. And they're like, yeah, our fleet's already on the way. (laughs) Like, they're they're, they're gearing up to fight. Uh, But... The Serenity battle, uh, where they're just trying not to die with the Reavers uh, fighting uh, the Alliance it, at actually. the end of Serenity is spectacular. I mean, and by the way, by the I know, way, I love it. Serenity, what, you've seen it? I have not. Serenity now! So, Serenity, the Firefly movie, came out in 2005. It had about a seventh of the budget of the Phantom uh, of. Uh, Revenge of the Sith and looks even way better. Um, and it just goes to show you that when you've got a great director and vision and acting and characters and writing, it, it, it trumps everything else. One might even say that a bad director will ruin everything. <laughs> that is the way that I would re re say that. Well, George, George should never direct. I, I don't, that was the biggest mistake. I mean, George right, should have just realized God, well, he could have done treatments, but he shouldn't have written the scripts. I mean, it yeah. was just stupid. There's a reason Kasdan's writing now and not Lucas. Um, can I just tell you, I'll tell you a fun story and then we'll, we'll leave? I was going to say the final great space battle, I think, is when uh, the Pegasus and Galactica are taking down the resurrection ship in season two of, Gal- of uh, Battlestar. Um, you know, where Apollo has to eject and is like dying and is like going to let himself die. And you could see the battle stars going after the, the Cylon base stars. That's, that's an amazing space battle. Um, especially because you have the plot of both sides trying to assassinate the commanders at the same time. <laughs> um, on battle star, watch battle star Galactica people. Um, but, um, <clears throat> what I was going to say was, you know, the scene in the force awakens, where uh, you've got Princess Leia, or sorry, General Leia and Han Solo, and they see each other for the first time in a long time, and they're just staring, and there's mm-hmm. dramatic music, and then C-3PO comes in and interrupts the whole thing, yes. and they just like give him a look, and he just walks away, and they keep staring at each other, and then finally words are spoken. J.J. Abrams wanted to have a bunch more dialogue there, and Lawrence Kasdan, who, by the way, was like 30 when he wrote Empire Strikes Back, but now is, you know, an old man, was like, no. He was like, there's going to be no dialogue here. He was like, trust me, man. 
no dialogue and it's exactly how it should be so you know what these youngins can learn from the older guys sometimes i mean you know kazdan's kazdan's an expert and actually i was never interested in the han solo movie until i learned that kazdan was writing it and they got ron howard to direct it so i think everything's in good hands honestly it's hard to criticize disney you know they're so progressive these days and if you just follow the twitter feeds of like any major actor or director involved in disney including ron howard emma watson whoever you want they're all super political online like disney just has no filter when it comes to to that um which i think is really cool um so yeah i don't know corp our corporations our future <laughs> that is a very different question but I, i'd talk to you about about what's going on with i think what's going on with corporations and um starting to take on certain amounts of responsibility that they're sort of not seeing in other things but that is a very long and difficult topic. All right. So for the sake of actually ending this thing and, and not on a serious note, if you could have one force power, what would it be? Oh, my God. Hmm. It's got to be the telekinesis, man. That's the one. Interesting. It's got to be telekinesis. Like, to be able to, to like move shit with your mind, there's nothing cooler than that. Yeah, I'm more of a telepathy guy. But maybe that's just because I'm an X Men guy, <laughs> and they're all telepaths. Well, I, well you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's fine, yeah, but what good is telepathy if you can't move shit? What yeah. fucking good is uh, Jean Grey or uh, or or Professor X if he's just thinking and can't move anything? Yeah. Like, imagine imagine Logan if he's just like, you're just thinking really hard in my mind. That's what's so frightening. <laughs> um, come on, it's all about moving shit. It's all about telekinesis. Yeah. Well, all, all I'll say is, you know, I know that you really, the, the movies and the properties that you love, you really love, and that's why you like to stay in the dark and not be spoiled, and I totally respect that, but I, that's why I think it's an interesting time where there is canon outside of the movies, which you may not care about or have time for, but it is considered legitimate from a canon standpoint. Um, it's maybe something to discuss going forward. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much. I think it, it will be impossible for us to talk about this until after the movie because you're committed to knowing nothing about this. And yep. even though I think they're only going to release one trailer and no other information, it. and you're not going to watch it, so we'll have nope. to we'll have to check in afterwards. And we need to check in after the other movies. Yeah, the director said not to fucking watch it. Like. That's yeah, that's couldn't be more direct. Like, if you care about this as art, don't watch a fucking trailer. Like, yeah, man, a hundo percento. So, yeah, we'll let's do a catch up next time. Uh, once this thing's over, absolutely. I don't even remember when this thing's coming out. That's how fucking in the dark I am. But do you know December when December fifteenth? I oh, want to man. say week week or two before Christmas. I still got some time. All right. But what's crazy is then. We've got supposedly still the Han Solo movie in late May, and then episode nine is, they say the following May, but I don't understand. You've had two Christmases in a row where you've made two billion and then one billion, and why would you not keep doing Christmas releases? I, I just don't understand. So I'm thinking they're going to end up moving episode nine. By the way, Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World, who was tapped a while ago to direct episode nine and write it, uh. released 
a horribly received indie movie this year and has been thrown off the writing team for episode nine. So oh, good. we could be seeing, yeah, we could be seeing more uh, upheaval in all this stuff. But honestly, I like it, you know, like I'm sick of the whole like I'm an artist, like let me do whatever I want. It's like, no, this is Star Wars. Like you have to conform to certain standards. In this particular case, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I uh, and it's ironic, by the way, that George Lucas had to sell the property to get it to feel more like the original than what he did with the prequels, right? How crazy is that? Yeah, that that whole thing is, I think, a topic that we could we could do that topic on that for like we could do a fucking series on what went wrong with him. Like, uh, but I mean, yeah. you 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 really like Force Awakens and you like don't love Rogue One, but it's undeniable mm-hmm. that the two of them both feel way more like the original trilogy than anything in the prequels. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, buddy. I love you, dude. Um, I'm really happy you came on, and uh, thank you so much. And I am going to do my darndest to not give you any information from now until December 15th. But you better see it opening weekend, because if you make me wait like two or three weeks after opening and still not tell you anything, I'll be really upset. I've got a fucking... I got a kid I go see this with. my Jenna's cousin, my cousin now. But it's by Christmas. marriage... Dude, that's when I go back to the East Coast. We do it together. She's fucking rad. And I'm going to ha- watch it with her for the first time because that's what she wants. And she fucking deserves it. Um, so, but it'll be like a week. It won't be two weeks, but it'll be like a week. All right. Can you, I can can you handle it? Yeah. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it up. <sighs> I can handle a week. All right, man. Any last words to the Bizzlecast listeners? It's been a while since you've been on, man. It's been like Bizzlecast, what, like 18 until now or something? Oh, Jesus. Uh, hey, uh, everybody. I hope you like how much I like to argue. <laughs> Dude, is, there any, is there any social media that you even want people to follow you on or you just want to be nope. anonymous? No, nothing. I'm a fucking ghost. Uh, actually, you can, you can find me on Twitter, I guess. A- Adam's a corporate tool who's just uh, in denial. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I think I'm Adam Layden Tuck or Alt Design. No, I think I'm Alt Design. Hold on, let's see. Yeah, Alt or, Design. Yeah. I'm Alt Design on Instagram. Yeah. I, I, but I only do Oh, speaking shit. of which, Amon, who I talked with before, I said, oh, I'm interviewing Adam Tuck next. Do you remember him from the Modiba days? He goes, yeah, kind of. I was like, do you remember the classic Via Farcatore remix shirt? He's like, dude, I still wear that all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> Uh, that's fucking great. Um, yeah, so it's uh, alt design is my because uh, alt is my Twitter. I mean, sorry, alt are my initials, not because I'm into the alt fucking right. That's kind of that's kind of been a sad initials to have recently. Um, and then my uh, Twitter is at Adam Layden L E Y D E N Tuck T U C K. And um, yeah, follow me there. I I retweet a bunch of political shit, um, but um, I also retweet some nerdy nerdy goodness. Um, and um, your um, wonderful wonderful wife is a spectacular photographer. Again, I don't know if you want to promote yeah. her. No, that's stuff, that's, that's actually, she's awesome. If you if you want somebody, if you want something that's actually worth your time, uh, yeah, go follow her instead. Um, what the hell is hers? She's got two. What's her official one? If you want to look like a model, like contact her. She's great at photographing people. No, I'm serious. I'm, I see some of these photos. I'm like, this is from a magazine. <laughs> well, how, look. If you want to look, if you want to look like a model, 
and you're a professional athlete. Yeah, Jenna Saint Photo. Jenna, J-E-N-N-A-S-A-I-N-T-P-H-O-T-O. Hey, it's not that easy. There's there's a lot of athletes with bad photographers that don't come out well. She totally. Oh, you're not it. kidding. You're not kidding. Holy shit. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of her work. Uh, not just because I happen to be married to her. Um, yeah, she's more interesting than I am. So follow her. <laughs> well, yeah, in different ways. Um, may the force be with you, my friend. May the force be with you, my sweet baby boy. And uh, that's actually the next podcast I'd love to do with you is talk about the force a little more. We didn't have time this time. So thank you, buddy. Thank you, BizzleCast listeners. We will talk to you soon, and we are out.